Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined this week by Stuart Brennan. Hello, And by Simon Bykowski. Hello. A few yawns before we even started the podcast today. City, boring, boring city, was it last night? Uh, we're recording this on the Thursday. Into I, don't, the- I don't know why I'm yawning today because I got loads of sleep last night. Virtually <laughs> <laughs> slept the entire way through it. It was terrible. I mean, I've spoken to one or two City fans who... Who told me they enjoyed it? I mean, you know, City were knocking the ball around, but uh, it was just, it was just total dominance. There was no threat to them. Even even at one nil, you didn't didn't ever feel they had one sort of vague chance. Sheffield ones, you didn't ever think that they were going to get back in it. So there was just no jeopardy. Uh, it was just City doing what they do uh, without without being at all spectacular. Uh, and it was, it was just just a pleasure to get it over with, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's the spirit, the magic of the cup. <laughs> to, to add a bit of positivity, you, they haven't played that badly or hasn't been as bad a game of that for a while and you are going to get games like that if you play as many games as City do because they win so often, they're in so many tournaments and the last few weeks has been pretty good really, beating Real Madrid and picking up a a trophy and now they're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup so nobody will remember that Sheffield Wednesday game apart from us for how bad it is um, but they're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and great chance of more silverware and especially with Liverpool's defeat at the weekend the sort of the title race is back on the title race is not back on but the narrative around what makes a great team and what makes a great season has kind of shifted back a bit more in City's favour I guess as well the compliment to City is the fact that it was so pedestrian it was so easy because do you think I mean I know we say it every tick this off your bingo sheet whatever the Wigan game the Wigan defeats that was another one that looked like a gimme it looked like a clear easy win for City they lost that but Sheffield Wednesday away could have been tricky mid-table championship side Hillsborough always a historic stadium and maybe one difficult to go to but City just killed the game straight away didn't they? Yeah, I mean, Simon, Simon made a good point in that it was very much after the Lord Mayor's show. I mean, he talks about it, it, there was that week where they, they went to Real Madrid and won, and they went to Wembley and won the Carabao Cup final. I'd throw into that winning at Leicester as well. Three big games in a week, and they, they came out of it um, with a trophy, with a first leg lead from the Bernabeu, and by establishing a seven point gap in second place to Leicester uh, so then go out to Sheffield Wednesday it, no matter who you are it's still a bit of a come down and you know after all the physical and mental exertion of the previous week I think I think it was it was always going to be tricky I think it could have been tricky if Wednesday had shown any kind of ambition they looked like a team who turned up to avoid a walloping and their, their only ambition was trying to win set pieces in City's half and then lump it into the box knowing that City haven't always been great at, at, at dealing with set pieces. So, I mean, you know, Wigan uh, at least came out and really gave it a go against City, uh, and, and that's why they surprised and they got a little bit of luck as well. Um, and they, they caught City on an off night. Uh, but, but Wednesday didn't show that kind of ambition. You know, they, they looked relieved just to get through it and only lose 1-0. Um, and it just that's, that's what made for a, a bad night more than anything. I think that's it. Like you felt like City were a bit there for the taking, and it felt like it had those Wigan vibes, and that City were not at the best. David Silver. I was about to ask you, what are the Wigan vibes? <laughs> well, I mean, Wigan beat City every time they yeah. play them, so 
Um, it had that kind of an upset could be on the cards. City weren't their usual fluid best. Um, but you need to show a bit of ambition if you're going to make it a contest. Um, and Wednesday didn't. So City in the end were able to make their superiority count. And again, that's kind of lost when you sort of tot up City's dominance in English football and sort of how good they've been and they've been that good because they turn up every week and not every opponent does you notice our resident pies are wedging in yet another reference it was Rich who brought it up Rich Rich brought it up (laughs) I do love Kiefer Moore though so any chance to get a William reference in for me were you surprised I mean I know again this is another cliche because every City lineup that we see is strong but were you surprised to see Pep go as strong as he did against Sheffield Wednesday like you said considering how packed the fixture schedule is no because he always does he always he always, uh, he always puts out a strong team um, sometimes I think to the detriment uh, you, you kind of think sometimes you could get away with this one by playing playing a virtual second string but he always has at least half the team who are regular first teamers um, I mean it's, it's difficult really pinning down what his strongest team is uh, I think it's horses for courses, but you, I'd always go. I'd always go with well, if you you know, you always go with the thing. If, if you're playing Real Madrid away in the Champions League, what team would you play? <laughs> but and you, everyone knows what that City team would be. But of course, Pep doesn't do that. He goes to the Bernabeu and, and leaves big name players on the bench. So it, it's it's difficult assessing what the strongest Man City team is. Um, and. Uh, I think Pep, Pep doesn't really think the way we all think about it. You know, we, we think perhaps in the way, uh, you know, fantasy football managers think, you know, the best players, but he doesn't. He thinks in terms of systems and so on. Uh, and he, he always puts out a team that he thinks is, will win the game. And most of the time he's right. And most of the time he's right. I think I think Sunday, the cup final really brought that home because when teams were announced and it said eight changes from the team that beat Real Madrid and you kind of thought... He's, you know, taking Aston Villa a bit lightly here, maybe. And then you look who's come into the team and it's Sergio Aguero, it's Raheem Sterling, it's Fernandinho, David Silva. Like like Stu says, he's not got a strongest team, but he's got such a strong squad that anyone who comes in is expected to do the job. FA Cup quarterfinal, Newcastle away. Another trip to Wembley Beckons, Stu? Well, I mean, City are favourites, but, you you know, and I've seen people all over social media talking about, oh, City getting another easy draw. I don't think City will see it that way. They they got a draw there this season. They lost there last season. You know, and Newcastle have got the kind of assets that, that trouble City. You know, lots of pace up front. Um, and they broke on them uh, in, the, in the 2-2 draw there this season in the league. Uh, and they, they, they gave them all kinds of either. So... I, won't won't be easy, but you know you've always got a back city, haven't you? You know they're still second best team in the in the country. Um, arguably at the moment the best team in the country. We'll get onto that later on, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yes, I Newcastle away, like like Stu said. I mean, I, I'm, it's glaring. I remember that first season I worked at the Emirates, and it was Newcastle away, and John Joe Shelby has a shot from kickoff. But they seem to have really changed the way that they approach these games against City now. Newcastle, they're well up for it. Lots of Newcastle fans I saw, I know. It, like you said, one of our uh, sister publications said that the only positive is that it's at home. But I saw some Newcastle fans saying, you know, packed schedule for City. This really is Newcastle's cup final, like literally could be. Um, they'd be well up for it, nothing to lose. And if City are on an off day, they, they could. I, I think unstuck. Steve Bruce has brought 
some emotion back to Newcastle. It was always kind of like a negative haze that they were stuck in. And part of Bruce coming in has been fans being even more angry and even more outraged um, who maybe saw him as sort of a step down from Rafael Benitez and they've had some terrible results against the teams around them. But they've also had some fantastic results, including against City, um, against the teams that they shouldn't be getting any points off. And they're also in a quarterfinal for the first time in in a long, long time. So a a home game is probably... What they what they would have wanted most, they won't want to draw City because of the best team left in the competition. But they will be right up for this, and the chance of going to Wembley, it's not going to be easy for City at all. We shall see what awaits then. Uh, Phil Foden, the case for him uh, increases. Euros this summer, maybe we'll see if they go ahead or not. Uh, Stu, would you have Phil Foden exclusive? <laughs> well, on that plane, the England I mean, uh, squad. I mean, that game at Wembley. I mean. I still don't know why Gareth Southgate wasn't at Wembley to watch it himself, mm-hmm. but uh, he will have had people... watching Jordan Pickford. What a, what a treat he had instead. Um, Poor old Jordan. watching the best goalkeeper in the world, David de Gea. Is that what Ollie said? <laughs> probably I mean, either in the world or the Premier League, and uh, and England's number one. Yeah. Probably about the third best keeper in Manchester at the moment. So that makes sense. Uh, I, I think I think that Foden playing in that final and the way he performed in that final. I, we've probably said this before, but I, I felt that that was a a milestone moment in his career. Um, the fact that he was picked for the game, um, he hasn't been picked for from the start for many big games. I mean, the one that springs to mind is Tottenham last season, mm. straight after the Champions League game in the Premier League, uh, when everyone was a bit down and Foden was really sparking in training and Pep threw him in. And he scored the winner after five minutes. But even in that game, he he scored the winner fine, which is a massive contribution. But he wasn't he wasn't a standout performer, you know. City City just got through that game really. So the number of times he's been picked in in big important games, very very small number. Um, but to pick him in the cup final and then he goes on and wins man of the match felt like an important moment it's almost you know you can imagine Pep thinking yeah actually he is ready now we all thought he would play at Hillsborough um, you know cup game against lower league opposition the standard Phil Foden territory he's not in the team he's on the bench and stays on the bench uh, and when Pep was asked afterwards I mean he, Pep, Pep sort of deliberately confuses things because he indicated at one stage I wasn't in the Pep press conference but apparently he indicated at one stage that Pep wouldn't pl- uh, that Foden wouldn't play in the derby but then uh, went on to say uh, he plays in the next match so he's like which which Pep do you believe you know um, but it would seem to me that if he did if, if he doesn't play in that game the only obvious uh, solution the, the only obvious um thing to draw the only conclusion to draw from that is that he, he's going to play in the derby and if he plays in the derby I think perhaps the process of of transition from David Silver to Phil Foden as his natural successor that's that's started at Wembley and will continue in the derby if that doesn't happen and he's back on the bench in the derby you start wondering well where are we going with this where, where exactly is Guardiola going with his with his Phil Foden project is he the natural successor to David Silver though well, that's that's what Pep says, you know. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. When was it? Day before press conference before Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, Guardiola said that 
when Leroy Sane could have left last summer that he said, we don't need to sign anyone else because we've got Phil. And he played on the right wing in the cup final, which he's never played there before in a game. And he was man of the match. He was outstanding. And It wasn't just a token gesture, was it, either? He really did deserve to be. Yeah, one, yeah, so. yeah. And, uh, and Guardiola said afterwards, like he always shoots in training. And there was this sort of more force like Guardiola said David Silva is an amazing player but he should score more goals if he wanted to be like considered as the same level as Iniesta and Xavi maybe then he needed to score more more goals and you know I just think Foden is coming on leaps and bounds he did things in that final that just took your breath away and the only City player that does that I would say is Kevin De Bruyne so yeah. that's what maybe Foden's got the advantage that Silva doesn't is that you sense already Foden can win games on his own. He can do those, take yeah. a lot of scruff at the neck. Yeah. And particularly yeah. if there's a derby coming up, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, but also if England have got a player of that quality, there is no way he should not be going to the Euros because he's that good. It doesn't matter how little he plays between now and the end of the season. He'd, barely, he'd not played much for the under-21s and he was their best player last summer. So take him, take him to the Euros or keep him in England for the Euros. Just like that. Who would have thought a phenomenal talent would be a phenomenal talent when he gets his chance? <laughs> uh, Stu, Derby this weekend. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, a doubt for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a surprise. We we presumed that he'd just been rotated last night and left out because he's played a bit of football and perhaps learned his lesson about playing him too much at this point stage of the season. Um, but then in the press conference, he said he had a... He had a back problem. This is typical Guardiola. He said he had a back problem while pointing to his shoulder. So everyone's in total confusion again. But um, the indication being that he fell heavily on it um, during the the cup final at Wembley, but nobody can remember. Anyone seems to think he he fell over himself or the ball or something. It wasn't a great appearance, was it, off the bench at Wembley? No, no, he was. You, I turned to you at one point and said he's having an absolute nightmare, here, isn't he? Which, you know, after being the, the hero of the Bernabeu, he, he's, he came off the bench and was, was had a stinker at Wembley. But again, you do tend to get very, very uh, cynical about about what Pep says uh, in, in his press conferences, and he, um, he usually tries it before a derby as well, doesn't he? Yes. Since remember David Silva was suddenly like out for. I don't know how long before and then started and you think De Bruyne has been such a key figure you know tactically Yeah, United will be wondering how City are going to set up having gone to Old Trafford last time and played De Bruyne in that, that advanced position like a false nine position um, Solskjaer Jones be, yeah. <laughs> um, so you know the fact that he may or he may everyone knows that De Bruyne's going to play if he's fit so by throwing in the fact that he's he's not fit you know that Solskjaer will be in a dilemma and his coaching staff as to whether De Bruyne is going to play or isn't going to play and that how do you how do you get how do you prepare for a City team when you don't know if De Bruyne's going to play or if he does what position he's going to play so it wouldn't surprise me at all if De Bruyne trots out and he's right as rain on, on Sunday afternoon arguably though sort of it's more important that he's fit for Madrid I was going to get you know whatever the as much as important as it is to win a derby if you can choose to win either the United game or the Madrid game everyone would snap their hand off at Real Madrid wouldn't they yeah um, in terms of going to Old Trafford away do you think Pep will go with a similar one using the Carabao no strikers worked an absolute treat United weren't expecting it at all or do you think it's another tactical 
I mean, the, I, the, I don't think he can because if he does do it, United will recognise it instantly. And so, would almost in a way, would the new tactical twist be to actually play strikers? Because United might be playing for he's not going to play strikers again. Who knows what he's <laughs> going to do? I mean, Phil Foden's part of this, you know. Phil, if Foden does start in the derby, does he start him? I can't see him starting him in a central midfield position. I could see him, as I was saying, in one of the wide wide roles because there's a little less pressure on, you know, you're not you're not running the game out there, you just you can still influence it, but you're not you've not got the same the same pressure on uh being surrounded by players in the in the thick of it. Um so it wouldn't surprise me if, if Foden Foden played a different role, a, a wide role maybe maybe right, maybe left, you know, or or something that Pep's just dreamed up. Um, <laughs> second guessing Guardiola is a dangerous occupation, as we found out over the last three years. He's, he's so tough. Um, so if you think if it's tough for us, it's, it's tough for Solskjaer as well. And his, his decisions uh, could could win or lose United the match. So you know it's. Uh, going to be interesting it'll be interesting to see what the lineup is and whether he does try something new or I'll stick with what he's what he's what he's tried in the past to uh, to bring it back to the Champions League as well the sort of the way they set up at Real Madrid you sort of saw that blueprint against United mm. does he want to try he knows that Madrid are going to be wise to him second leg does he want to give them 90 minutes against United to to see what he again. could do against them or does he want to sort of keep that separate and just go more orthodox against United and try and beat them with better players which is quite easy probably yeah yeah um, a shout out to my dad as well who texted me last week to ask what a false number nine was so Guardiola's influence in England continues oh wow that's <laughs> exciting does he what other terms does he does he need any others explaining um, not sure double, what is double your, pivot what is your favourite modern football term nonsense sort of term because like VAR VAR yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like I number know. 6 number 8 number 10 oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's how yeah City had number 10s didn't they and then Guardiola came and they now, they've had number 8s and number 6s and 8s yeah Yes, a six and two eights, although that's changed. Yeah, I'm, I'm really worried that the kids are today, myself included, uh, just won't remember what numbers traditionally are with which position anyway. Yeah, but your your idea is different to mine because I'm even 40 <laughs> years older than you or something. You call them halfbacks. Yeah, yeah, wingbacks. <laughs> well, yeah, what, what's your favourite term that's gone out of fashion? Oh. Or favourite position that's gone out it's of wing fashion? Half. Definitely wing, wing half. I just like the, the I just like sweepers. I like sweepers. Yeah, I feel like that's what I could be. You don't have to be good defender. Just get in, and just clear it. Yeah, just mop yeah. stuff up. You sort of sit behind the defence. The defence do the work, and then you just so boot that, it away. That's a generation gap, you see. Because to me, sweepers is a is a modern newfangled creation. I, I'm certain teams used playing the sweepers like the 40s and 50s, didn't they? I'm not sure, like, but I, don't, I feel like it, teams haven't played with sweepers for like. I swear, 15, did 20 that years. old, the really good hungry team use sweepers? I don't think or so. Didn't they, use, probably, didn't they, they play 4 in, zero, 6 or I something? I think it's probably an Italian thing. It yeah. came in the 60s, early 70s. I can't remember. But mm. it, it, as, as with most of these ideas, it was quite slow in coming to, to England. We just had... 4-4-2. Uh, four, four, <laughs> not even that. 4-4. <laughs> four, four. 
two four five or something yeah. two four six I don't know I do okay. remember reading something about when that hung, when that hungry team thrashed England at Wembley and they came and just played four zero six or something and yeah. just absolutely blitzed England yeah. they had no idea how to cope with it give me a uh, give me a big number nine as well yeah like those none of this like Firmino's well, the perfect number nine but hasn't scored a goal at Anfield yeah. this season perfect number nine is just a big bulky give me Peter moral. Crouch yeah Sam Vokes Kiefer Moore <laughs> yeah know? maybe not Pellegrini used to sort of be very dismissive of all this stuff he just used to say it was it was telephone numbers yeah you know because people used to go on about him playing at Malaga a 4-2-2-2 yeah. he's just like no yeah, I, mean, I just play him there, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just about having good it's players surprise and what to do you know? yeah. and at any given time you know it's just about where you kick off from if you've yeah. got good players who know what they're doing uh, it's, it's that, the formation is how you line up that's what I do like about you can get into all the tactical talk you want but if someone just whacks one in from 40 yards that's it it's a goal isn't it yeah although like carry on Pep says that as well like oh you know it doesn't matter but he also sets his teams up and then they change after the first five minutes so yeah. that the opposition don't have time to to react so Good thing tricky, you two can react. Tricky man. That. Yeah, yeah. We're we're aware in the press box. <laughs> oh, they've gone from four three one two to two four three five there. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the derby ticked off. Um, <laughs> Arsenal next week as well. Out of nowhere. Special shout out to producer Ash who was saying the good thing is we're gonna be. He's an Arsenal fan by the way. He was saying we're gonna be playing City at the end of the season. They're gonna have this huge fixture run. You know what? I fancy our chances there because we, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they would have been playing them at the end of the season yeah. had Arsenal so not so generously got themselves knocked out at the Europa League. So, uh, in such agonising fashion as well. It was some would say hilarious <laughs> fashion as well, and then that miss at the end was superb. Oh, oh, sleepless uh, nights over that one. Can I can I just have a shout here for the for the fans, Arsenal fans and City fans? No, nope. we've, we've had just a little over a week to to be told about this. Isn't it? People who make these decisions. So people have work rotors, you know, they have to take time off to go to games. They, they'll have a ticket for the game, the season ticket or whatever, but they can't go. And then, of course, you get everybody will be on social media. Look, I can see two blue seats yeah, next to each other there. Seats, empty seats. <laughs> well, you know, people who can go, people who are lucky because they, they, they can fit the work around it. Yeah. There's an awful lot of people who, who can't. We're privileged. We, 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 can go, we can go to whatever games, you know, we, we got all the games and get paid for it and get expenses for it, but... Oh well, let's let's turn that down. Let's get, get our violins out. Exorbitant expedition. Did I say exorbitant? <laughs> Wild West. It's yeah. nice, nice new watch you've got there, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, like you said, that I mean, I guess in terms of that, I mean, even for us, when it's our jobs report, it causes us rotor chaos. But for someone who's actually, yeah. you know, they've got childcare things to sort out as well, and you've got to get to the game, transport, it's, and it's also a game that's now midweek when yeah. it would have been mm-hmm. at a weekend. It's an extra game piled into this month as well. People don't have an unlimited source of money. People get paid every month. You know, it's can't so, just... support again. Supporters just uh, are seen as the very like. No one gives a stuff about them. And to me, the people who are match going supporters are the lifeblood of this game. There's no point. They, about sh- it. they should be the priority. But the, I know the TV companies pay pay the money, but the TV companies should recognise this as well. If they start televising games that are in front of hem- empty and, and, and half empty crowds, it detracts from the product seriously. Just start thinking about the supporters when you make, when you start making should, these. Should City push back though? Should City say, "I know this might make it difficult for Guardiola and the players, but we would rather play it later so that we can have more notice for the well, fans." It's a balance, isn't it? You know, it, it is about balance. Um, yeah. 
but it does help City I, I to play I don't early. know. I don't know the procedure that City have gone through. I don't know the procedure Arsenal have gone through, the Premier League, the TV companies. But it does always seem that the, the match-going fans are the last people to be considered when they take these decisions, and they shouldn't be. They don't even seem to be consulted, do they? They just get told. Well, they've got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but the clubs get consulted. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, so that's an interesting point. The TV companies can suggest it, but the clubs have to agree to it ultimately, don't they? So Yeah, and it works in City's favour in City as far as Guardiola and the yeah. players are concerned to play it next Wednesday. What are your... I mean... Who knows when we're next we're doing the podcast? So maybe we'll briefly touch on Arsenal. I mean, fantastic quadruple for City. That's what we'll be talking about: Champions League, Community Shield, FA Cup, League Cup. That'll be the next podcast, I think. Just like that, bish yeah. bash bosh. June the twenty fourth. <laughs> Whole population wiped out by coronavirus and all that. I think I'll survive it. More importantly, Premier League. Premier League. Declared null and void. Would be. I mean. I think it's for the best. From your, I mean, if we go play devil's advocate, what would be funnier for you if it gets if the season just ends now and Liverpool never technically win it, or if Liverpool win it but have to celebrate in front of an empty stadium and they can't have a parade? Oh, I'd, I'd definitely go for it end the season now. There was a, there was a, a City fan on. Uh... What if City get to the Champions League semi-finals though? Well, uh, I don't know. You know, Liverpool. Oh, we. What was the question? What's funnier? <laughs> what would be more amusing? What would be more amusing? I don't know. I don't. I think it'd be very unfortunate if mm-hmm. Liverpool were not crowned Premier League champions. I know, but it'd be sad because they do deserve it. Sad yeah. in a hilarious way. Yeah. 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 But I'm sort of. I'm in the process of trying to ease panic around coronavirus, so I'm yeah. not not trying to talk it up. Some of us have got a wedding booked in Italy, so... Some, has, some of careful. us have our tickets for the Euros in Italy as well, <laughs> yeah. and they've already paid a substantial deposit on an Airbnb, which can't be brought back, so... Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so it, yeah, it's uh, not... At least the Champions League final's not in Rome, or Milan. I'm, li- I'm, yeah, I'm literally You're in Rome, Rome aren't you? Yeah. Rome. yeah, so am I at some point, yeah. Oh, well, when in Rome... When in Rome, don't get coronavirus and sh- wash your hands regularly. And Stu, do not touch your face like that. <laughs> Sorry. We've got right. a, I'm still rubbing the sleep out of my eyes from yeah, last night. That's the one problem. But uh, um, Yeah, I do think, you know, City have already said Liverpool are deserving yeah, Premier League winners. Yeah, and that they winners. are. And we, we, we is, all acknowledge that. The, the table speaks for itself. Yeah, but there is an excitement now around what City can achieve this season. Yeah. And like you said, who knows, FA Cup, so... The quarterfinal so against Newcastle, mm-hmm. potentially further in the Champions League as well. We shall wait and see what the future holds. Already got the Carabao, already got the Community Shield. Another formidable year awaits. We'll wait and see. Stu- they're really, they're really moving into form now. Since since the uh, since the break, the mid-season break, they've been more like the old City than at any point this season. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would suggest. So you know, it, it could be quite a big climax to the season. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And like you said. The formula at City are in, they've won so many big games now as well in a row and the mentality to do that is absolutely ex- exceptional. We'll see if it continues this weekend against Manchester United in the in the derby and we will be back next week at some point to reflect on what happens at Old Trafford this weekend and probably I have a preview or react to the Arsenal game. Who knows? Watch this space. Uh, Sai, Stu, thank you very much thank for joining you. us. Uh, thank you as well for listening to the podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you can and we will see you again next time.